Hello and welcome to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. In this episode, I will be talking to Matthew Wurzel, a certified professional resume writer, career coach, and outplacement expert with over 10 years in human resources and career advancement techniques. He will provide some great tips and strategies that job seekers can use to find opportunities during this global crisis, including talking about best practices for conducting a webcam interview and utilizing LinkedIn to find the perfect job. I'm your host, Jeff Perry. I'm the founder of More Than Engineering, and I'm a leadership and career coach for engineers. And this is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. It's the first podcast dedicated to helping engineers and technical professionals with both their personal and professional development. Before we get started, I just want to mention that this is a free show, and our sponsors help us to keep it free. Now I'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode, Washington State University. Washington State University's Engineering and Technology Management Master's Degree Program is a perfect balance of technical and managerial education that helps prepare practicing engineers for managing projects, people, and organizational systems. As one former student noted, the knowledge that I gained from the ETM program helped me become a more competent, confident engineer and manager. The program greatly impacted my career and has been a key element in my continued success. Learn more about the engineering management profession at etm.wsu.edu or email them at etm at wsu.edu. Take charge of your career and reach out today. Now, let's jump right in. Now it's time to jump right into the main segment of our episode. Today, I'm talking with Matt Wurzel, a resume writer and career coach. Matt, welcome to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. Thank you very much for having me. I'm looking forward to speaking with your audience, and and hopefully they can take away some good nuggets here. Matt, as we get started here, can you help our audience learn a little bit more about you, what it is that you do on a daily basis? I'm uh, one of the many career coaches you'll find online and on on LinkedIn, but uh, I kind of pride myself more along the resume writing side and career consultancy, where I help folks kind of build out strategies to locate opportunities and kind of fill their day-to-day calendar. But outside of that, it's the normal kind of get the resume together, help folks with their LinkedIn, help them with some interview training and negotiation training. And then again, just exactly how to be effective and cut those lead times between quality interviews with some of the consultancy side. How did you get into this, Matt? How did you go about like starting your own firm and doing your own thing and, and growing it to something that you've been able to do for many years? I started in HR back after college and worked with, uh, it was actually staffing industry aerotech, was placing folks, learned the ropes of what recruiting was, went and transitioned into HR and was an in-house recruiter for multiple years. Mm. And after the 08 meltdown, I got laid off in 09. I was out in Los Angeles via Cleveland. I started off in Cleveland where I was born and raised and I wound up in Los Angeles with a gig. And then when I got laid off, my wife and I said, let's head back east. In the interim, that was when they had those 99-week unemployment. So I was fortunate enough to at least have kind of a little safety net financially. It wasn't like your gangbusters, but it was enough to start the business. And I literally was recruiting on my own, kind of trying to do that, but also resume writing and doing outplacement, which outplacement, I still do that today. That's essentially just helping companies that are laying off. 
and found out that recruiting was just taking way too much of a toll on my day. As anyone knows who's a recruiter, it's hard work. It's very time consuming. And it's usually you just kind of do that and stick to that because it's busy enough. So I dropped that arm and stuck with just the outplacement resume writing and started kind of embedding solutions as I went on over the years that I felt confident enough to be able to share with my clients that, you know, help them be more effective. It was essentially a victim of a circumstance similar to what happened with COVID for a lot of folks that might be listening that might have gone in the entrepreneur route. I was one of those people. And after I got that first check where I was like, well, someone actually paid me to do this on my own. This is wild. <laughs> I just caught the rocket from there and, and haven't looked back. Sounds like quite a story. And like many situations kind of born of some, you know, forced into it or because of the getting laid off and things like that. But you were able to have an opportunity and seize that and and make something really great out of it Thank over you. the last number of years. That's really awesome. Thank you for that. Yeah, I'm proud of it. I don't know if I could ever go back to the nine to five. And I always say this when I do these kind of calls or, you know, podcasts, I'm like, not to knock it, but it's not for everyone. And I feel like I'm in that bucket now where it's like, I, I would probably fight tooth and nail to just keep plugging along as much as I can. Cause it, it is, you never know when your next sale's coming and it is kind of daunting sometimes, but you kind of roll with it and just kind of go with it. <laughs> <laughs> I can certainly relate as I started my business a couple of years ago. So you write a lot of resumes. And so I want to talk about those for a little bit. In your experience, what are the items that are essential for job seekers to include in their resumes or CVs that they're writing these days? First and foremost, you need a template that's going to be compliant with the robots. We are in the age of streamlining our efforts and making things automated with the AI. So in HR included. So HR, I worked on applicant tracking systems way back in the early 2000s, and they were completely archaic to where they are now. And they make it harder to vet because there's a lot of people out there. And I can get into it later about the whole process of hiring is just long and tedious, but we got to streamline this stuff, right? So if we're trying to find people, have a resume that's going to be compliant with what their software is. And there's not terribly this confusing idea. I mean, it's literally, if you don't have text boxes, you don't have borders, you don't have pictures, graphs, none of that stuff. Cause that you got to look at it like a computer scanning your data, right? It's scanning your words. So focus on the content but make sure you still have a little bit of a pop, you know, a little visual appeal. You don't want something too outdated of a format. So a little visual aesthetic, that's nice. The uh, format that and in, in layout that will beat the ATS, but also work with the hire manager and the recruiters and the sourcers, you know, so they like it. Having the right sections is important. The reason why is because when you are a recruiter or a hiring person that reads through hundreds of resumes, thousands of resumes, you start to get this thing we call the six second rule in our heads, you know, so as soon as we look at a resume, we know exactly how to kind of bird's eye this thing to see, is it worth reading for two more minutes? And if it's for, you read it two more minutes, is this person worth spending a half hour on the phone now for the vet? So there's a series of little protocols that we go as recruiters. And so to get that six second, you got to have the right content, the right layout, and then you got to make sure you're playing the game. And by that, I mean, have a summary, right? Have it that talks about your best key value offerings. What's your unique selling proposition? What makes me, me and good at what I want to do? Then you want to have some set of core skills. And these are operational skills, not soft skills. Keep soft skills for the summer. You can weave those in there. These are hard operational skills. They're technical aptitude. There might be methodologies. They might be processes. They might be for instance, data analysis, project management. These are kind of the ones that I use for my early career folks because they're still kind of working their way into getting some skills. Supply chain management, things that 
recruiters will not only use to find you when they're searching these app tracking systems, we call them buzzwords, but also it resonates with the reader because they're going to look and see, oh, this person has skills that live and exist in my world that I'm hiring for. And in my little environment, they must know, they must be pretty comparable to this work. And then I like to hit them with a nice accomplishment section. This makes it more of a combinational resume, we call it, but I like accomplishment section because it gives me that leeway to, to list out maybe the top five really huge wins, right? These are right. the ones that either relate to the job opening itself. You kind of reverse engineer off of the job and sure. figure out just what are those top tasks that they are doing. Usually about the first five or six tasks on that description is about 75, 80% of like what you're going to be doing. So you want to make sure if you have something that relates to one of those things, put it in there, but then don't just make it a task, make an actual result. Not only can I do this job, but look at how I did it before and look at the outcome and how great it was. So if you can hit them hard with some five things that relate or our bottom line impact, people love KPIs, hire managers love seeing numbers because it makes it know that you're concerned about the dollar. No matter what job you're in, you could be a nurse and it's still, they got to pay you and they got to worry about bottom lines. So you got to make it known that you care about that. And then third, if it's unique. So did you give a speech? Did you win an award? Were you featured in a newspaper? Things that kind of make you, you. That's how I write my resumes is using that ideation, those three different kind of roads to go down. And if I can pick and pull things like the top five, I'll jam them into this accomplishment section. And then one little tip is if you're uh, someone who's a bit of an older seeker, job seeker, and you don't want to lose IBM from you know 1995 to 2005, drop it, but then take maybe one or two really sweet things you did back then. And you could put it in your accomplishment section without mm. having to put the dates at the bottom, right? That's okay. a little trick we use. And then I get into the experience. That's the meat and potatoes. Again, action result. Because I did this, this was the end result. And, right. and if you can think of like, right, like business quantifiers, I call them, reduce waste, improve profits, drive revenue, ensure optimal throughput, whatever your world is, there's things that you are responsible for as a KPI, regardless if you know or not, your manager knows. I'll go back to the nurse. If you're a nurse, they want to know that you're able to retain patient relations and have them where they feel comfortable to come back to your office. Or, you know, production manager, they're going to want to know, are you hitting your numbers? You're getting stuff out the door. So dilute it down to these quantifiers. And then you get into the other stuff like education, affiliation, certification, volunteer. But if you have this layout, you'll beat the six second rule. Now it's a matter of matching you with the requisition. There's a lot of different pieces in there. So that may be a section that job seekers, especially if you are writing a resume these days, you may want to go review again. Okay. Matt, even in the last year or two with all that's gone on, it seems like the job search market has really been changing. How do you find, you know, when you're helping your clients and, and different people that job seekers can find these opportunities as we continue through the global crisis and its various phases? The biggest thing people need to know is once it reaches a job board and opening, it's kind of on its last leg of like desperation okay. by the hiring managers. The hiring managers are going to completely use in-house networking first. They're going to go to their people they know, mm. or the people that are outside the company that they know, or they're going to go to the employees that they think have good succession opportunities and start looking to see if they can promote someone or shift someone somewhere, that kind of thing, right? So as a recruiter, sometimes our openings would just sit there and the manager doesn't want to do anything with it because they're doing their thing. And then finally, they tell us, okay, go broadcast it and go put it on Indeed or whatever. So know that once it gets to that point, you're already kind of in this mishmash of like up against people that you don't even know that are applying versus people that are in the company and all these mm. types of candidates. So you got to be 
in with them early, right? So my biggest advice is regardless of the market, because right now it's hiring is getting back up. There's not enough talent out there. Obviously, there's a lot of good talent on the benches right now, but they're trying to really try to figure out where to pull these people from because it's mm. a very wonky thing we're in right now, but doesn't matter. Even if it, the people tell you it's a recession, no one's hiring, someone's hiring. They're always hiring. I used to do recruiting during the wintertime, during Christmas, and my managers would say, start stockpiling for January. So I would still be recruiting for my pipeline. So then I'm ready to go once the manager comes back from vacation. It's like you always have to be an active job seeker, no matter what people tell you or you think. Mm -hmm. So work your angles of networking. Work, and I know people are like, networking, everyone always says that. Yeah, but because if you put yourself out there and you do it right and strategic, things come your way. It's like you're planting seeds. So I always tell people, go and find a company. You're like, keep it easy. Don't overwhelm yourself. Keep it easy. Find five companies in the locations you want to work at. If you're in, uh, I'm in Wilmington, North Carolina, I'll find five companies in Wilmington. Now I'm going to go on LinkedIn and I'm going to go on little Google searches. There's so many, it's amazing how quickly you can condense down information and people and like actual contact information using all sorts of these tricks. They call them Boolean search operators. Look up Boolean search operators. And there's people out there that'll give you the actual searches that you need to be looking up to narrow down some of these. I'm going to go and find the hire manager or recruiters at these five companies, and I'm going to ping them and start building a relationship with them. Because what's three months of building a relationship if it means I'm going to get a job in six months at the company I like? This is a long process, a long game right. thing. No one's hiring you this week unless it's completely just everything came together, right? It was just yeah. like, wow, it just worked. But don't rely on that. Rely on this. Don't beat yourself up if you're off the bench, if you're out of work for two months. Like the average job hunt is about six to eight months. Start planting the seeds. Look up these people, these decision makers, find out who they are at the companies you want to work at, and then start to approach them with little bits of like insights. Like here's a news article about your competitor I thought might be cool for you to read. Here's some information about a local, some sort of zoning thing. I know it impacts you guys for this project over here. I don't know if you saw this. You probably did, but thought it'd be really neat for you to know because you guys are building over here. Whatever the aspects that you can, these angles you can get in on, give them some goods, give them some value, and they're going to appreciate that. And then eventually you might be able to bend their ear to have them read your resume or at least talk to you about saying, here's what it makes a good candidate at this company. We right. call them informational interviews, right? right. Tell yeah. me about what makes a good employee there. I just want to know so I can better myself. So maybe one day I can actually get a chance to, to be a viable candidate for you folks. All comes down to messaging and activity. And in the messaging, don't slop it. Don't be like, look at my resume on the first message. Don't be like, here, recruiter, look at my resume. What do you think? Like, no, these people are people. and They don't <laughs> want to be approached from some no-namer. So treat it like you would be if you're on the other side of the table. I get people who I talk to all the time and they're like, yeah, I reach out to recruiters and ask them to talk or or read my resume and I never get a response from them. Yeah, because that's what everyone else is doing. And that's <laughs> they don't have time to just do that for everyone. We need to start from a different place. And I love what you're talking about there. It's like find ways to just genuinely connect with them, try and deliver value first, and then see if there's an opportunity to have a conversation. Are there any thoughts for you, Matt, on job seekers? Should they be trying to connect with who the recruiters are, you know, HR folks, or they should they be trying to connect with people who are maybe potential hiring managers or people who might be peers in jobs that they are interested in to kind of learn more about them and what that's closer to the work that they might be doing? What are your right. thoughts? See, I like everybody because you never know who's going to respond. So I'm okay with, if you're at the same company, let's, we'll say over here, we have GE Energy over here. 
So if you know GE and it's a big company, it's probably not a good, sure. good example because, you know, yeah. God knows how many people are in there. If you can find someone in the department, here's what I'll tell you from as a recruiter, I can count both hands are completely used up. How many times hire managers came to me going, here's a person I found. And that's what they are doing. They're getting it from either friends or people that are hitting them up from the side, like we're saying. And then they come to the recruiter and say, get this person for an interview. I've had that happen dozens of times because if you're the one who's making an, an effort and making a presence known to the hire manager, they're the hand of God in this situation. Recruiters have nothing to do at that point. You're past the recruiters. You're, this person wants to meet with you. Recruiters are just going to go about the process of getting mm. into the meeting. So if you can bypass the recruiter, that's money. But if you have to go to the recruiter, that's fine too. So just know that in good recruiters, recruit the candidate, not the requisition. Good recruiters will take you, vet you, put you in their pipeline for later use. Even if, I mean, it sucks that we're all cattle, but it is what it is. That's what good recruiters should do. If they're recruiting the requisition, they look and see you and they go, you don't fit this. Goodbye. They're going to be a bad recruiter and they're going to take a long time to fill stuff. So that's one thing I learned early on was never give up a chance to meet that person because you don't know where they're going to be or where they can fit in later. And not only that, I've had it where hiring managers open positions because they were so impressed by the talent that we were bringing in. They said, no, no, this person doesn't fit this CMM role. They fit this role over here in the quality side even better, but we don't have that open yet, but I'm going to make that happen. I'm going to get that open and get the budget for that because I see this project coming down in six months or whatever. You know, these people are always thinking ahead forecasting. So you don't know where you're going to fit in eventually. So do your due diligence and hit everybody up and also go on GE.com and apply to a role you fit for. So then you can also get yourself into their pipeline through the ATS. I mean, people Mm -hmm. say don't apply online anymore. It's like, no, how are you going to get into their system? Those recruiters use those app contracting systems first thing in the morning. They go and they search that thing and say, is anybody in my pipeline already that that will fit this opening I just got? Mm -hmm. And if not, then they're going to go outside. But get in there so you're sitting in there in case something comes up that you match for. But don't make that your only part of your strategy. That's what we've been talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. Networking's key. That's the number one. So let's move on to, let's say you've gone through the recruiter and now you have an interview opportunity. Now, many interviews are virtual now, you know, more than they ever have been before. So in your experience, what are a couple of like best practices that people need to consider when they're conducting a webcam virtual interview these days? Well, you know, it's funny, the number one, and you can read these online, it's, there's not a whole elaborate, I've been researching these to build my own articles and like responses. Sure. So if you go type this online, you will see about 10 things almost everywhere. And they're yeah. all kind of the same advice. So I'll say this first off, and then this is what I'll tell you. Number one is just make sure you're technically savvy because okay. um, obviously people should know how to use a Zoom. I mean, I had an issue yesterday with a client and, I, and this is a former client and it took us 10 minutes to get him ready because he's never Zoom really. And I was like, Oh, I'm glad it's not an interview, Rashid. So know that if you need to practice being a little more technically savvy with Zoom or whatever, Google Hangouts, whatever, do that for yourself so you're not wasting everybody who's sitting in there looking at you, fumbling around. Also, I like this thing where you put a little piece of paper up here, kind of right above the eye. Don't look at anybody down there. You look at that piece of paper the entire time. Not only is it A, it shows that you're looking at them, but B, you're less nervous because you're not looking at eyes. You're looking at some piece of paper, so you can just talk. So here's what I'll say about interviewing, because this is what I tell anybody, on-site, virtual, whatever. So when you're in an interview, you're already halfway there. They want you to be the person. Hire managers don't waste their time on just checking people out. They go, this person has to be it. 
Now, oh, and there's another person that has to be it. Okay, so there's two people now. So you're up against somebody usually, right? Which is fine because you both are good fits. Now it's a matter of can your personality jive with the team? Can you fit in their culture? So learn their mission statement and their values online. Learn their stuff that they've been doing recently on Google News. Go and look up Google News. Find out where they are in the world. And then finally, look at the job opening. Look at every single task. Look at your world, what you've been doing, and try to match every single task with a narrative that you can provide a project that you've had success on that directly relates to that stuff. Mm -hmm. And then during the interview, this is what's brilliant about virtual. You can have your resume over here. And you can have your narratives over here, your project list, make it like a little mnemonic so you know how to pull off that project. And as soon as you start the interview, project one, oh, I can use that that statement for this question. Here we go. And then you're going to talk about project one because you know it relates to that work they're doing. Then you cross it off. Then you want to get to the point where you got about 10 projects and you're crossing them all off because then you're not being redundant. The worst thing that you can do is go in there and beat up one project constantly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen it and it's boring. And you're like, have you done anything else other than that project? So really start to try to figure out, again, reverse engineering what they want and how you can provide that solution. And it will make such a harmonious interview that you will be so excited by the end that you are like, wow, I still have three things I had to talk about. I didn't even get them out. Yeah. And then you can use those for the follow-up letter. You can mention those at the follow-up letter. I just want to take a quick break here and once again recognize our sponsor for this podcast episode, Washington State University. The Engineering and Technology Management Program at Washington State University is a systematic approach to professional development for practicing engineers to shift from fully technical positions into leading technical employees and systems. A fully online master's degree program, students take classes at night and often implement class lessons in their positions at work before the next class. Learn more about a master's degree in engineering and technology management at etm.wsu.edu or email them at etm at wsu.edu. Take charge of your career and reach out today. I would say, you know, it's great. You can have notes and things, but don't read off the notes, you know, no, while you're yeah. there. You know, use them as bullet points and as guides, but make sure you practice yeah. so you can deliver those stories on your own, looking at your piece of paper or at the webcam or whatever, so that you can deliver it smoothly, but don't just sit there reading notes on the side or on your screen because that's not going to go over well. People can tell. Exactly. That's, <laughs> that's why I say you mnemonics kind of thing, like a little word. Oh, that's exactly. right. That's that project. You know, like know your stuff. And practice the behaviorals about me. Tell me about yourself. Tell me your weakness, strength, all that stuff. Practice those because they will come. People love Mm -hmm. behavioral questions. We were talking about kind of the average length of people moving through a job transition or job search, and it's often many months. What about people who it is a little more urgent? They're out of a job or something is pending. Maybe there's a layoff coming. And so they may be kind of forced into finding some sort of different career. What is your advice to those people who it's really urgent? They need to get something as soon as possible. Get my book. I got a book about how to get a job in two weeks. And it's literally like it tells you like every day what you should be doing on your calendar. First and foremost, breathe, relax, Mm. take a week, hang out with your wife or your spouse, hang out with your kids, maybe get a little honey-do list and actually do it that week. And just don't think of anything. And then come Sunday, get the little bit of Sunday scaries going because you know Monday's coming and your new you is coming. 
And on Monday, you build out your calendar. You start building out your day-to-day because if you don't have a calendar, then you're going to feel like you're not doing much. And if even if you get little things, you know, here and there, emailing and that kind of stuff, cool, but it's sloppy. You need this stuff embedded into a, a calendar and you need a, a, almost an Excel sheet to monitor who you're talking to, where the openings are. Make this like mm-hmm. a job. Like it's like you are getting paid to like job hunt because yeah. if you don't, you won't feel that satisfaction. You're getting stuff done and you might start confusing yourself and not knowing who the hell you're talking to, who heck you're talking to. And then as far as nuts and bolts things, first get your marketing collateral together. If you know what you want to do, if you don't consult someone like you or me, where you can kind of get to that aha moment. I would lean on help at that point. It's hard to figure out your aha unless you really have someone in your life, like a friend or a family that knows you in and out that can really help you discover that. But anyway, let's say you know what you want to do. So let's get your marketing letter together, your resume, your cover letter, your follow-up letter, your LinkedIn profile, get on the Indeed, do where everyone's hanging out at, ZipRecruiter, everyone's over there now. So go hang in these playgrounds, these mm-hmm. sandboxes where everyone's at, and then hit up your association if you got a membership somewhere and tell them. And let them know after you get the new resume, here's my new resume. If you know anybody, you know, hit up the members or the, or the officers or whatever, search their networking events, start kind of going into that world again. You might have not done anything with the association in three years, but get back in there because people are active in that, in your space, in that association. Get on, there's so many things. I mean, this could be a whole nother call, but like things like get on Quora and mm. start answering questions from strangers that exist in your space. If you're, uh, you know, a tool and die maker and people are having issues talking about some sort of new die or something, and you just got done working off the thing, tell them a little paragraph about what you did to help resolve whatever issue they're having because you worked on that die. Who knows who's going to see it? And they're going to come and reach out to you then through Quora. I mean, there's so many little like ways you can share your expertise. You can get on LinkedIn and start telling people about every day, make a posting about your expertise. If you're an engineering, uh, a mechanical engineer, and you're like, today, I'm going to talk about this project that I had success on. And if you can start sharing your insights and value for people and opening up the door to your world, people start following in that, that live and exist in that space, or like maybe younger people that like look up to you kind of thing. There's a lot of things you can do. And also get on when you're on LinkedIn, reach out to people that are like decision makers in your space and start chiming in on their stuff and making little value points. Right. I do that every day with people in my world because it's like you get there's much more that comes in if you give yourself out. There's so many more opportunities Mm. if you kind of put yourself out there and plant those seeds. Things will start to grow. Even if you think I've been doing this for months straight, nothing's going on. Just keep going because it will help if you start getting creative with how you're sharing content and doing your job search. Matt, we talked about this a little bit, but any other thoughts on kind of moving through that back door and utilizing LinkedIn strategically for people who are moving through this job search? Any other final thoughts on kind of that piece there and strategies? There's one I was going to say earlier is I like the social aspect of like, if so, if there's a company that you like, there's someone posting on all their socials, right? So like get on, like, even if it's Twitter and Instagram and LinkedIn and TikTok, whatever, if someone's posting something, just check in on it every day and leave a little note under those posts. Cause that person behind there that's posting, eventually you might be able to reach out and strike up a conversation. I always like that idea of just being active. It doesn't take long. It'll take you about maybe 15 minutes every day to get through all of them because these posts aren't going to be anything crazy, right? It's going to be a little thing that they say, and you can just chime in with your thoughts just to start building your name recognition with that Mm -hmm. person. There was a a story of one of my friends who said there was a content marketing management opening 
And he spent hours and he read the description. The main thing was fixing their SEO stuff. They had problems with their SEO stuff. So he spent hours running analytics on the website and compiling a list of that company's broken links. He actually like researched where they could point and direct to fix those things, to improve it. And then he compiled this into like a nice PDF and easy to read and digestible, right? And then he sent it to both the managers and he just said something like, hope this is helpful. If you ever need help, let me know. It'd be a great company to work for kind of thing. And they hired him because it was like he went above and beyond. I'm not saying you got to go spend 16 hours on a project just to try to get in a door somewhere. Oh, another one is there's a guy in New York City who wanted to be a copywriter at an ad agency, junior copywriter, like this high profile ad agency. And so he found the hire manager, found their Venmo and requested 50 grand saying first year salary for your new ad copier. And the guy thought it was so bold that he brought him in and gave him an internship and eventually hired him. That one you could find. I think that was a story that was buzzing around like in February or something on New York Times or something. But I was just like, what a neat idea. Because I mean, how much hutzpah you got to do to do something like that? But the shirt yeah. iron manager is like, look at this freaking guy. I got to bring this guy in. This guy seems wonky. So that's <laughs> what you need, a little shake up. So there's tons of, we call it guerrilla marketing. And if anybody needs to, you can ping me. I got a whole running list of backdoor ideas that I probably got about maybe 20 right now, give or take. And so I keep kind of every time I see something new, I throw it in there. Let me know. and I could be glad to share it for free with anybody who wants to ping me. As a business owner yourself and some of our listeners or engineers who might consider starting a business, whether a side business or eventually a full-time thing, any advice or thoughts on those potential entrepreneurs out there, current entrepreneurs out there who want to start their businesses and manage you know, some multiple pipelines of income as an entrepreneur? Any thoughts on that? First, foremost, go for it. The passive income, mailbox money, even if it's a service where you're not completely mailbox, but you could still just get away with you know a couple hours a day, go for it. But first and foremost, I talked to my one buddy who's just seems to be in his hands are in everything around town. And I'm mm. like, how do you do it? And he's like, calendar. I stick to a schedule. And that's why I was like, well, that's kind of what I do with my multiple kind of things I'm doing. So if I don't have a calendar and schedule, I wouldn't be able to do it to begin with. But then also, yeah. if you look at the business and you research just what avenue you want to take, whatever side gig it is, and you want to maybe like, let's say they want to be an engineer consultant. What's an engineer consultant do? Figure out what they do. Figure out who needs your services, who's willing to open their checkbook to pay you to do something. And then you got to start to really brand yourself and throw yourself into the mix of being a solutions provider and getting every little nook and cranny covered where they can find you to provide you those solutions, right? So like half the battle is figuring out what you want to do and how you're going to present yourself. And then the second half is actually trying to get the sales and marketing going. I mean, this is what you know as as a small business owner too. My life is sales and marketing right now. If I'm not doing client calls or sales and marketing, then I can get to the resume writing. But it's like majority of it's right now is sales and marketing because you're just trying to drum up business. So know that you're going to, even if you're an engineer who's like, I hate sales and marketing, then you may want to consider not doing this because unless you want to pay someone who's doing sales and marketing, which is buku bucks, and then you got to worry about covering those costs. I mean, it's like, just take one step at a time, figure out first the legal loopholes to starting a business, then the compliance and accounting and tax stuff, then getting your profile and your website set up and making sure your brand awareness is all covered and strategic where you have same kind of colors and maybe a graphic or something. You really get creative. Like, this stuff's fun. But it's only one and done, right? It's one and done. You get it set up. Then you just got to worry about consistently posting or consistently tracking down leads or consistently tapping your network and, and making sure that 
Every day goes by, you're not wasting it. There's something you got to do, even if it's just an hour a day until you kind of get the feel for how this thing works. Do it because once you start skipping, it's just snowballs from there and eventually it's just going to fizzle out. The basics of it come down to you need to have a product or service you've got. You need to have some way to, to find leads or bring mm-hmm. that in and you need to be able to fulfill that. And, and right. those three things, if you've got that, then you can do that, which a lot of people, especially early on, they're either not sure on like what they really want to do. And then if they decide that, then they're not sure how to bring clients in. So, I mean, there's all sorts of different ways to do that and plenty of business coaches out there, yeah. but uh, who can potentially help you if that's what you're into, but you don't learn anything if you don't try. That's why I love when you said, just go for it, like give it a try and, and you're going to learn something through the whole experience. That's for sure. Absolutely. Uh, whether or not this particular thing takes off or not. I actually just did a coaching session with a girl that was starting a company as a content academia writer, author writer. Mm-hmm. She wanted to help authors with editing. She hit me up to ask about how to start the business. So we had an hour consult, which I offer as part of my solutions. And I went through every single like thing I could think of, of like starting a business. And it, it took over an hour, but mm-hmm. she was like, wow. And I go, yeah, there's a lot of to-dos. It's a lot of work, but I told her, I said, do one thing a day off of this category. Then after you're done with those six, you can move on to the next category. And then eventually get down to the sales and marketing stuff, which is ongoing. It's a kind of an ongoing thing. And at that point, you can sign up for some newsletters, find a coach, like you said, that does sales and marketing training. I hired marketing coaches many times and I graduated the marketing degree. I mean, but it's like stuff gets a little different than 1999 marketing. Just kind of play the game. But like you said, if you don't go for it and just try it, you might regret it. Even if you spend a couple grand and it fails, it's a bad investment. I mean, we're all losing our what on crypto right now. So what the heck? We've talked about a lot of good stuff. Any other final piece of advice that you'd share for our listeners today that we didn't get to today? So this is going to go back to the job seekers. I feel like majority of them is something like that, where I was going to say this earlier, but don't beat up HR. Don't beat up recruiters. Don't beat up hire managers. This, yes. I, As a recruiter, I saw how much first you got to go to the hire manager and figure out what they want. Then you got to put it together and put a job advertisement. Then you got to source. Then you got to vet. Then you got to interview. Then you got to do panel interview. Then you got to negotiate salary. Then you got to make an offer. You got to onboard and do background checks and do drug tests. Then you got to train. And you hope throughout this whole couple months thing that this person's going to stick around. And the problem is sometimes it doesn't work and they got to go do all this over again. It's time consuming. It's expensive. This is why there are so many checks and balances in place and why everyone gets frustrated that they don't even send me a denial thing. And it's like, I get that. They're trying to improve the candidate experience, but it's slowly rolling. It's just because there's so many people that want those little bit of jobs that they offer. And there's so many people come to the door that they're just trying. So just give them a break and know that it's not always their fault. It's just a matter of circumstances and just how things roll. But know that it's expensive and that's why it's supposed to be tough. Job hunting is not easy. It's yeah. not supposed to be easy because then everybody's going to just get a chance. And it's like, we'll never hire. We got a thousand interviews today. You know, like, okay, you know, <laughs> yeah. you can't do a thousand interviews. So I always leave it with that. Just try to understand from their perspective. At this point, we're going to transition into the take action today segment of the show. We'll get one final piece of advice from Matt. Now it's time for our Take Action Today segment of the show. Matt, it's been a fun conversation today. Can you give us one final takeaway of ways that, and an idea that anyone can use no matter where they're at in their career, whether they're searching for a job or not? 
my biggest advice is continuously upskilling and kind of maintain that industry knowledge of what's coming, what's already there, and making sure that you are setting yourself up to not get lost in the weeds, especially as newcomers keep coming in with skills that are the future skills. And you might be seen right. on this end, like myself, who's in their 40s. You got to be competitive and you can't just chalk it up to, I'm not going to learn it and move on. No. I mean, if you want to keep working until you're 60, 70 years old, get with the times and just hang out in those spaces of where you can learn that stuff. There's so much free content or course stuff that's on LinkedIn and like Harvard offered it, especially right now because of the pandemic, more that weren't offering it for free are. So go right. and figure out ways to kind of stay in the mix and then also continuously update your resume with those new skills. So that way, when it comes time to do a new job hunt, you're not having to go and figure out what the heck you learned three years ago. So keep track on the job as well of your accomplishments to make sure that when you go to update the resume too, you know what you did that were key wins. And all in all, it just makes you more of a well-rounded employee and job seeker. I think companies are more appealing for that. Matt, thanks so much for a great uh, episode and conversation here today. If people are interested in connecting with you or learning more about uh, what you do or getting some of your resources, where should they go? If you go to jobstickers.com, like pot stickers, but job stickers, mm -hmm. that is my blog and it's directly into my website. So you can find all sorts of information about me and, and my solutions, but definitely ping me too if anybody needs help with their resume. Thanks so much, Matt. It's been a fun conversation. We appreciate having you on. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. We would love to hear your feedback, comments, and questions. Go to www.engineeringmanagementinstitute.org where you will find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. And don't forget to check out our upcoming live webinar for this month at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Additionally, for those engineers struggling with unemployment or uncertain about how to make a career transition, I've created some free training resources with an opportunity to join a more intensive program called the Engineering Career Accelerator. You can find more information at engineeringcareeraccelerator.com. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your engineering endeavors. The strategies that you heard in this episode will be of no use to you unless you take action and start to implement them in your career immediately. To help you do that, we have designed a system that you can use at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. It combines live monthly webinars with PDHs, plus a private forum giving you access to coaches and premium content focused on helping you build your management and leadership skills. Join us for our next live webinar at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org and we'll help you engineer your own success.